painted red. The stripe was white, it was 18 feet and about a stern line. Second hand from a dealer in Atlanta, I rode up with daddy when he went there to get her. Put on a shine, put on a motor, built out of love, made for the water. Ran her for years till the transom got rotten. The piece of my childhood will never be forgotten. It was just an old plywood boat, the 75 Johnson, the electric choke. A young boy, two hands on the wheel. I can't replace a way. Short bed Ford, my uncle bought new in 64. Daddy got it right, cause the engine was smoking. Couple of burnt valves and he had it going. He'd let me drive her, and we'd haul off a load down a dirt strip where we'd dump trash off the thick tent road. I'd sit up in the seat and stretch my feet out to the pedals, smiling like a hero that just received his medal. It was just an old hand-me-down Ford with three speed on the column and a dent in the door. A young boy, two hands on the wheel. I can't replace the way it made me feel and I would press that clutch and I'd keep it right. He'd say, a little sore son, you're doing just fine. Just a dirt road with trash on each side, but I was married. pasture at our home maybe one day they'll reach back in their file and pull out that old memory and think of me and smile and say it's just an old worn out jeep rusty old floorboards hot on my feet a young girl two hands on the wheel i can't replace the way it made me feel and he'd say turn it left and Just an old plywood boat with a 75 Johnson with electric choke.
was a great toe tapper to start us off this morning. Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. And if you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash read SOP. And you can read it here in person or make a recording that will be included in a future platform. Today's reader is West member John Dakin. And John has been a longtime member. We've been we go way back, John, don't we? And um, has served Wes in many capacities um, and the larger ethical culture movement, including right now as a member of the AEU board. And John has been devoting a great deal of time and attention to the needs and opportunities of our national body, for which I think we will all be very much benefited. So, John, thank you. Thanks, Karen. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thanks, John. As John lights our community candle, I invite everyone to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Our story for all ages this morning was selected by our speaker, Mike Kravitz, as illustrative of some of the challenges of modern fatherhood. Vader's Little Princess by Jeffrey Brown. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Episode 3 and 3 quarters, Vader's Little Princess. Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, continues to rule the Galactic Empire and is out to destroy the heroic Rebel Alliance. Meanwhile, he must raise his young daughter Leia as she grows from a sweet little girl into a rebellious teenager. From now on, you do as I tell you, okay? Don't splash my cape. You have failed me for the last time, Admiral. Now you will. Hi, Daddy. Make sure to get the backs. You are free to use any means necessary, but I want them alive. No disintegrations. Later. Luke. Leia, it is bedtime. Stop. Children, you need to go to sleep. Yippee! Wee! Dad, don't move. Look! I want every squad available to search the ship until my keys are found. Dad, I'm making you a cozy. Isn't it great? Just tell her you like it. What? 
just drop me at the corner. It's okay. I can take you right to the front door. I'm so embarrassed. You may dispense with your pleasantries, your highness. I'm here to tell you to pull your pants up. But dad, it's the style. Okay, good. Now, easy on the clutch. Her resistance to getting out of bed is considerable. It will take some time before we can wake her. Leia, did you eat all the chocolate ice cream? Tell me the truth. Dad, I have to write an essay for class, so what exactly is it that you do? Several transmissions were beamed to this ship. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent. You are part of the Rebel Alliance. Whatever. So we meet at last. Behave yourself or my dad will totally kill you. I don't care what you think. These are my friends. I think it's telemarketers calling? Leave them to me. I will deal with them myself. Let, Let us, us now enter, enter into, into the, the centering time of our, our platform. Each week, we, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of the victims of multiple mass shootings that occurred on Independence Day. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. Encourage you to relax your body, shift around as you need to land in a position of ease. Take a nice deep breath and release it. You might like to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Let your thoughts slow down and breathe. 
take this moment to think about the father figure you carry in your heart. I invite you to remember the gifts and the wounds you received from that person or persons. If any feelings come up, just breathe deeply and honor those feelings as a connection with your own heart. We continue in the silence and the music that follows. My child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you Turned 10 just the other day He said, thanks for the fall Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today I got a lot to do He said, that's okay And then he walked away But his smile never dimmed It said, I'm gonna be like him Yeah, you know I'm gonna be like him The cat's in the cradle And the silver bone The little boy blue And the man on the moon When you're coming home Just the other day, so much like a man I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later, can I have them, please? And the cat's in the and the silver spoon, the little boy 
since retired, my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said I'd love to dad if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's your nice talking to you, Dad. It's been your nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me Our platform topic today is modern fatherhood. In recognizing that gender identity and gender roles hold many facets, and that fathering can be done by many types of people, regardless of any biological part in the process, consider some of these attributes of fathering as adapted from These Are Our Dads by Amy Petrie Shaw. Dads who stood as their child shouted at them in anger or frustration. Dads who suddenly realized their child might be right and were willing to listen. And dads who honestly believed they were making the best choices they could. Dads who screwed it up, got it wrong, tried again, got it right and then often went from being the dumbest soul alive to the pinnacle of brilliance and back again in one day, according to their children. Dads who taught us what they knew and forgave us when we got it wrong. Those who wanted to teach us but left too soon or simply did not know how to teach at all. All of the men who taught us what it meant to be honest, even when it was embarrassing, <clears throat> to tell the truth and admit to our faults, to be human. Also, those who could not teach us these things because they did not know themselves, but who hoped that we would do better than they ever did. All of the men who have been there were tried to be there no matter what. Those who have remained calm in a crisis, and those who could not remain calm but did not run away. Those who did run away but came back again, and those who never came back but always wished it could have been different. Our platform speaker today is Mike Kravitz, who has been a West member for more than eight years. And he has some unique vantage points on male-dominated culture. Professionally, he's the Munitions and Armaments Branch Chief at the Air National Guard Readiness Center on Joint Base Andrews. Personally, he's a father to two teens. 
Mike has also played a father-like role with other West teens as one of our OWL whole lives or OWL human sexuality teachers and has been heavily involved in the teen group programs. Mike also currently serves as a member of the building team and we are delighted to turn the lectern over to Mike for the morning. Thanks. Uh, I think Karen just did my platform for me, so um, it's okay, though. I, I also promise that this one will not be as long as the last one I did. Um, I, I timed myself, and then we're right around the 20-minute mark, so you guys are safe. Um, I, I really liked the um, sort of disclaimer you gave Karen there before the, the reading. Um, I had a similar one, so ditto. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm speaking um, from my own experience here. Uh, I am a cis white man married to a cis white woman. I have a particular experience. Um, so some of what I talk about, or actually most of what I talk about is sort of in binary terms. That does not necessarily mean um, an endorsement of the binary. Uh, I hope you all know that about me already, but uh, just in case, there I said it, okay? All right, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And that concludes my platform for today. I'm <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, I, I remember that one um, from when I was a kid. I'm sure many of you do as well. Um, sort of a childish rhyme that, as I recall, had some um, colorful, flourishes uh, about the nature of men and women on there um completely lost on me at the time um and what now seems pretty obvious is, is the reference to mars and venus right the roman gods of war and love and beauty um, i don't think it takes too much highbrow reasoning to discern what, what they're trying to say here about the nature of men and women um, men are violent and brutish Women are soft and beautiful and loving. Um, so maybe you can kind of see where I'm going here since uh, this stereotype is so obviously passe. Um, but this, this rhyme is, is an example of cultural grooming, right? Preparing young children for their future gender roles, which we will then spend a lifetime trying to break. Um, even in, in progressive communities like ours, here, where we reject the gender binary and embrace non-traditionalism, these stereotypes are difficult to break. Um, we, we see it in our behavioral outcomes, like child-rearing, uh, jobs and hobbies. Um, we see it in the clothes we wear, the gender pay gap. We see it in elected office, right? These are all reinforced by our, our societal norms. Um, and, and as much as we'd like to pretend it isn't sometimes, uh, it, it's here at West too, right? It's in our behaviors, our words, our paraverbals, um, which I think is often lost, uh, even as we work towards a, a more egalitarian community. We know from published research on childhood development that children as young as three to five years old already know these norms. Uh, Dr. 
Niobe Way, a social researcher and, and author of the book Deep Secrets, um, tells a story from her research about a four-year-old boy um, who happened to be friends with girls in his preschool class. When she was talking to him, the boy was adamant that Dr. Way not let the other boys know of his friendships with the girls in class because the boys wouldn't want to play with him anymore. From that early of an age, just four years old, she goes on to say, young boys begin to restrict themselves from forming deep relationships with children of all genders until uh, around their teenage years, which I think everyone knows are awesome, um, they, they are effectively um, socially isolated in terms of relationships. It's no wonder that we see increased rates of depression, interpersonal violence, and, and suicide. And I, I could probably go off uh, here into questions of mass shootings, which I did not actually write about, but um, those, those sorts of situations come to mind. What I want to talk about today is, is a journey that I've been on for the last year and a half or so. Um, I've been involved in a men's group, um, All Fathers, who are trying to become more connected and engaged with their families and communities. Problem is many men, many fathers in our society don't know how to engage in a way that truly makes them feel connected. Um, our group was uh, eight men uh, who all knew, myself included, that we were missing something, but didn't know how to get there or maybe even where there is. During our, our weekly Zoom calls, we followed a guided journey from our facilitator modeled on the, the classical hero's journey. Pretty interesting, actually. He's a big fan of Loki. Talking about him in a little bit. Um, to, to identify our unhelpful habits, where they may have come from, and tools that we can use to improve ourselves um, through mindfulness, holding ourselves and each other accountable. Uh, quickly, and I mean very quickly, <laughs> Uh, you find at the root of the challenges that many of us are facing is what I call integrity. Um, by that, I, I don't mean what we commonly understand to be integrity as like doing the right thing when other people aren't watching, but certainly that is part of it when you're working on yourself, but rather more of the Socratic definition of integrity, where all parts of a system uh, are working the way that they were intended. That means honesty with ourselves and others. It means holding confidence within our group. It means being our authentic selves. It means building a culture around us that supports all of those elements. One of the commitments that we organically came to during our sessions was that not only would we work to better ourselves, which is sort of the primary reason we had joined, but we realized we also have to work to call out toxicity in our own lives and communities, particularly at times that we would normally have just 
let it go as somebody else's problem. Uh, the founder of the group, now good friend of mine, Dr. Jason Frischman, um, he's worked as a, excuse me, a clinical psychologist and counselor for men and men's issues for over 25 years. One of the things he says frequently when talking about men's work and fatherhood in particular, it is that it is a revolutionary act in an age of hypermasculinity, toxic masculinity, that we embrace all aspects of our humanity, including those aspects that are often we call soft or assigned as feminine. He says, boys who hurt turn into men who hurt. Without embracing our full humanity, boys and men fail to develop as full humans. We stagnate. Men who are, say, sad, don't often have the skills or tools to effectively cope in a pro-social way. And they may lash out in anger, for example, which is an inappropriate and sometimes dangerous response to being sad. They're more like a, a trapped animal than a, than a sentient human being. Perhaps they'll self-medicate to suppress those feelings, which will actually serve to further exacerbate their internal distress. I think many of us know people like that, perhaps were raised by people like that. In my experience within the military, toxic masculinity and hypermasculinity are everyday things. Shocking, I know, I know. But through my journey with um, men's work in this group, it's called Journeyman, uh, I've begun to allow myself to not only recognize those behaviors in myself and others, but begin to challenge them head on. And, and here's the part that kind of surprised me with that, is that when you cut through the facade most of those hyper-masculine men, they're softies, right? And they, they respect you for cutting through. Fundamentally, men want those softer aspects of our humanity because they innately feel that need as humans. The challenge though, is cutting through those masks without judgment to present opportunities for growth to make those men feel whole. So what does it mean to be a father today? How about 20 years ago? Pause for dramatic effect. 50 years, 70 years. I think most people would agree, and we have a multi-generational community here, that the nature of being a father, the, the, the fundamental core of what it means to be a dad, probably hasn't changed much 
over the last several generations, what I'll call our living memory. But the cultural context around it has changed significantly. Societal expectations for fathers have changed and that drives behaviors. Probably for the better during our living memory, and for the most part anyway. But I, I feel that we're at a sort of crossroads right now. Um, we are collectively aware of toxic masculinity, but we're not societally sure of what to do about it. And that makes our future uncertain. And I'm, I'm not talking at West particularly, I'm talking as a whole, right, culturally. As a veteran, I'm, I'm particularly sensitive to some displays of toxic masculinity, which are often conflated with hyper-patriotism, which I would borderline or outright call nationalist, right? Um, surely we saw it on January 6th, and honestly, we see it every day, but don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For veterans, it's, it's reinforced by over 20 years of constant war in the Middle East. Um, these men and women too, and everything in between, right? I, um, I don't wanna neglect that. But, but you often hear that you, they see a man's role in their family or community as a, a stoic warrior, right? Immune from emotion, ready to fight at a moment's notice, ostensibly in defense of their loved ones or their principles. But me being me, I call bullshit. I see someone deeply hurting, right? Looking for an outlet. Honestly, I, I pity those guys because they lack the ability to be introspective enough to see that they aren't angry, they're hurting. Veterans returning from war, I would submit, are almost all suffering from some degree of PTSD, whether diagnosed or not. But how does that explain non-veterans behaving in the same manner? My view, it's a cultural overreaction to the shame of the Vietnam era. When drafted service members were booed and spit on when they were coming home to the US and worse. It's underscored every time a professional sports team plays that damn Lee Greenwood song and makes everyone stand up to applaud somebody. Or even every time you tell someone, thank you for your service, not knowing what in the hell that means. We, as a society, reward those behaviors. And we're, thereby we're saying it's okay, even good, to be that brutish man in the mold of Mars. But remember, patriarchy doesn't care about men either. Reinforcing those hard attributes of humanity in men forces us 
to collectively balance by forcing the quote, soft feminine attributes on women. I think here at West, we, we recognize this and we largely take a, a very progressive approach to things like gender roles. But consider this, um, as we take affirmative steps towards egalitarianism and fathers are spending more time with their kids, which is a good thing, they don't necessarily know what to do, how to do it, and maybe causing some harm inadvertently, more harm than they otherwise would have if they weren't around. And this is what I mean when I say we're at a cultural crossroads, a sort of generational turnover. Which direction are we gonna go? So what do we do? Smash the patriarchy, right? In more tangible terms, I offer that this means that men, particularly fathers in this instance, need to put in the work to learn about that patriarchy, to learn about systemic oppression, to learn about unseen and emotional labor. It was, I wouldn't say that I was surprised, but it was certainly eye-opening for me. When they, we, then need to work on forming those relationship bonds that we've been conditioned to avoid. And it's hard. It takes time. It takes vulnerability that we're conditioned not to show. It takes accountability from each other and from the community and an open mind to avoid defensiveness that leads to the pendulum swinging back the other way. It takes patience from our partners who are used to dealing with us the way that we have been. And an allowance that we may read, we will make mistakes and sometimes fail. It takes community involvement because we aren't just raising our own children, right? We are raising all of our community's children. So let me ask rhetorically, don't worry, speaking to those who identify as fathers, where can you be a father in our community here at West? Where can you be engaged with our kids and seek or teen group, the BSA troop maybe? When can you communicate with staff as a father rather than as a disgruntled congregant? Where can you serve the best interests of the community rather than serving your own interest. As a father of two adolescent children, I have a teenager and a tweenager. Yeah. Pretty sure she's she's 11 going on 23. So um, 
I know she's watching at home uh, in Nashville right now, so she's rolling her eyes at me, I'm sure. Um, so as a father of two adolescent children, uh, the way I look at it is in, in 20 or 30 years from now, what can I do that is going to be the most impactful to as many people as possible here at Wes? And I'm, I'm gonna go off script here for a minute. Let me scroll down just a second because I, look y'all, I know that there's a gas stove down in the kitchen right now with a pilot light, it's always on. I understand our values with respect to the environment, fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera. We as a community are not engaged or invested. We are not invested in that stove. Is it worthy? Yes. We are, however, invested in our kids. Our teen group, as some of you all may remember from prior to the pandemic, um, was pretty active. Well, monthly waffle bars, everyone loves waffles. They raised, they used that money to raise money to buy that little free library out front. Did anybody see it coming in? No, you didn't, because it was destroyed December of 2020. White nationalist mob marched down 16th here, destroyed with a baseball bat. It was two and a half years ago. The stump is still sitting there, right? If I'm a teenager, I've, I've talked to a lot of these kids. If I'm a teenager, why am they going to give up their one free day a month or a week, excuse me, to come to a place that doesn't value the things that I do? If I'm a prospective member or, or parent, what does that say to me about Wes and its lived values? What does it say that we don't have enough volunteers for a full seat program right now? What does that say about how we look at our community? My response to that, I would say, come to Stone Soup. Jeff, I'm glad you're here today. Jeff Mehal owns that rodeo. <laughs> I think there's another word or two on the end of that, but we'll leave it off. Jeff brings the community together. Everybody brings something, right? An ingredient for the soup. He gets the teams to help cook, serve. We all sit down right here in this room as a community, big, long beer hall style tables. And we sit down as a community that loves and appreciates each other. So to you, Jeff, thank you for being a father to Wes. Dr. Frischman, sorry about that. Dr. Frischman, um, my friend, likes to say that men's work is revolutionary work. And I believe him. Because anytime we buck the status quo, not by force or bullheadedness, but through our own vulnerability, it is a radical act. Dr. Frischman's website and, and contact information was published this week in News and Notes, um, and I'll plug it again here 
before I end. Uh, his website is journeymanfoundation.com. And many of his talks and interviews are available on, on YouTube. Just search for Jason, Jason Frischman, and uh, I, I guarantee you'll find him. Likewise, if, if you identify as a mother, um, and this topic also resonates for you, um, I suggest doing a Google search for Revolution from Home. It's headed by a woman named Beth Berry. She's a really similar approach to topics surrounding uh, motherhood, which, while notably different from fatherhood for some obvious reasons, um, has some significant overlap. So does this remind you of your own experience or maybe your partner or someone you know? Luckily, I know a guy. During community sharing here in, in just a moment, uh, I'd really love to hear from, from the group here and online, particularly from people who actually don't identify as fathers, but fathers as well, to share your thoughts and areas that you would like to see the dads of Wes show up. Okay, that pretty much ends what I had, but I sense that some of y'all were expecting dad jokes. And as, as I was writing this, um, uh, my wife Robin was with me and she said that um, I didn't include any dad jokes and that was a mistake. And I said, well, you know, in the spirit of vulnerability and trying to lean into my mistakes here, and she gave me a hug. Um, but, um, all right, so not to disappoint, here, here's one I recently heard. How does a non-binary ninja attack its enemies? Pause, pause. They slash them. There it is, all right. That's all I have, thank you. Thanks so much, Mike. That's great. So, um, oops, sorry about that. Um, in a moment, we will have our response period. Um, and that'll be a chance for folks to either step up to the microphone or to write into the chat about what resonated about our topic this morning. You know, Mike specifically made a a suggestion and request that would be great to speak to or whatever else. Sorry, I've got to deal with the tech here for a moment. Uh, whatever else uh, kind of comes up for you related to this topic. And so that will be great. Um, I will just pop in at the moment to say that um, author Adrian Burgess observed someone, and I think it was Freud, said that human happiness depends on our capacity and opportunity to love and to work and to devise social policies that challenge gender norms are the policies we need today. So that's my response to this. Um, but definitely spend, we're gonna hear music in just a moment, and that's a good opportunity to gather your thoughts and prepare to respond during the response period.
doing almost everything but sitting still talking about her ballet shoes and training wheels and her kittens and she thinks we're just fishing I say daddy loves you baby one more time she says I know So this is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates with our personal experience. And for our online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat now or in the comments if you're watching the recording later. And if you're here in person, I encourage you to practice that same kind of brevity that our online commenters use. And if you've spoken in recent weeks, please consider leaving space for other voices today. You can come to the microphone here on the floor and share brief comments. But first, I'm going to check in and see what we've seen from our online folks, if they've had a chance to 
Hang on one second. Get to the chat. We'll start with that. Ooh, there's a lot of comments here. Let me see. Catch up. I think it's been running commentary, so let me see what where we are. Some comments about the video. This video is making me nervous with all these very young children driving along the side of a mountain. Sorry, hang on. I think there's a bunch of stuff. Okay, applause to the speaker from CW. Um, <laughs> Rose Wilford, so where Ellie is, says, Mike, you were right, Ellie rolled her eyes a few times, love from Nashville. Uh, there was some little commentary about explaining the joke for those who didn't get it um, in the online space, um, but Lord Joe also says, regarding the little free library, I didn't realize it was destroyed by white nationalists. Let's put it back up and not let the white nationalists win, and I'd be happy to help, though comment's not very handy. All to good, great. Um, Michael Dimmons says, thank you, Mike, for spotlighting parenting and mentoring as a way of contributing to the community. And Judy Myers says, what a wonderful talk with many exclamation points, marks. So much to think about and parse. I look forward to watching the recording. Uh, Cynthia Goodman says, my dad didn't have a father, so no role model of how to be one. And despite how hurt and damaged he was, he tried so hard to be a good father and spent a lot of time teaching me things. He died too young, just 65 in 1995, and I still miss him. Macy Thomas says, there was a time where I studied how men could end men's violence against women. It led me into much of the research and psychology on masculinity, a term that was used called, quote, the man box that describes what we call toxic masculinity now. All of the work discussed why it was imperative for men to get out of the man box and embrace some of those behaviors that Mike mentioned we gave up at six years old or so. The author explained, quote, it's hard to get out of the man box. It's even more difficult to stay, end quote. As men, we need to save ourselves, for our families, for our communities. Thanks, Mike. That's it for the chat at the moment. If you want to come to the mic, you want to start with your name, your pronouns, and your brief remarks so everybody has a chance to share. Uh, Jeff Hall here. I am really going to try to be brief, Karen, I promise. Uh, Mike, I don't know what it is about you as a speaker, but... Um, very good because anybody who can get me to give up working a Sunday crossword really has it on the ball. Um, and I'm, I'm trying hard not to get emotional because you referred to me as a father. I have no experience in, in, in that. I've never, I've never had kids, and in two days I'm going to be 65 years old, so it's much too late now. Um, there are several unresolved issues between me and my father, and the only way they're going to be resolved is in about 25 years or so when I die. Uh, my father died five years ago. Um, uh, up to that point, we had been estranged for about 30 years. I don't know why. Uh, politics and religion certainly had a lot to do with it. You mentioned uh, substance abuse, 
And it doesn't have to be that. Um, my father was a workaholic. He was never there. And so I did seeing these videos of kids with their fathers. I just, I never had that. And I never, and I don't know. And so when you talk to me about being a father to Wes, it just, something just breaks inside of me. And I don't know how to put it back together. Adam, he, him. Um, my dad was also, and until relatively recently, a workaholic. Um, I am too. I'm not going to lie to myself and say that I'm not. But the lesson that I took away is that I just have to try and do both. Um, it's particularly interesting when the child in question is a particularly girly girl. Um, I was raised by two parents who strongly rejected most gender norms. I am married to a partner who strongly rejects gender in general and femininity specifically. <laughs> um, and so frequently I have no idea how to respond. Um, because she wants to paint toenails and fingernails and wear nothing but pink and wants her daddy to do all the same things that she wants to do. And I'm really uncomfortable about it. So I sit with the discomfort. I try not to be too much of a workaholic. And I try to remember that what she's going to care about is that I was there. Um, and because we talked about dad jokes, I have one. And it relates directly to what we had in the platform already. Uh, because it's a Star Wars dad joke. I have to find it. There it is. Darth Vader walks into a French bakery and orders three baguettes and two puddings. Pan, 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 tartatine, tartatine. <laughs> I think I may need to adjust this a bit. Now it's working. I wouldn't have thought of saying this if I hadn't seen the, the father-daughter, you know, fishing clip. When I was a little girl, this is just one of, toxic masculinity is, invades everything. I grew up in Alabama. I wasn't allowed to go fishing with my father and brother. And I cried and I talked to my mother and she tried to talk to them, but it wasn't allowed. So it wasn't done. And I'll just leave that because, Mike, I admire so much what you've given us this morning. I thank you so wholeheartedly. It, what amazed me, and I do have a question and I'll try to be brief, is how much you drew in to that topic so well that I could tell both you had done an incredible amount of work, and I'd love to ask you to do another platform, but I'm gonna get around to that. You had lived 
and personally experienced all the values that informed what you said. And that's always so touching. I want to ask for something else. You mentioned something that I think is critical. I think you'd use the term cutting through. You know, can we have a talk one day after platform? Can we have a one day workshop? How do you cut through? How? I, my family's very small. I have only two brothers, neither of whom have children. They're in Alabama. We are anathema to each other culturally and politically. We've managed to keep our love and closeness and we really do respect refraining, you know, from criticizing and judging and aspersions and all that. But how do you cut through? One of my brothers, for example, could not take a breath because he wouldn't know how without his masculinity. So cutting through, just please, let's do more work on that. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Shayla Sheher. I'm, I'm listening to this book on Audible. It's called Why Does He Do That? by Lundy Bancroft, who's a male psychiatrist who works with abusive men. And it just actually tries to answer the question, why does he do that? And a lot of it is societal, cultural, you know, um, he, you know, he, he can get away with it. He, he, it's to his advantage to make the, you know, woman in most cases do the housework or, you know, do all the work. Um, and, you know, even um, in terms of um, being abusive to kids, I mean, I, it's just a way of, you know, controlling women and, and they get away with it because the cultural, you know, police or whatever, like, you know, it's just not seen as bad if you, if you, um, you know, are hurting your own family. It's just somehow uh, not as bad as if you're like, you know, assaulting a stranger for some reason. So um, there is one, um, in, in this book, it, they mentioned one thing um, about Eminem, the rapper, um, and how he has all these violent songs and he's still got Grammys and everything like that. One of, one of the songs is called Kim and it's talking about him killing his wife in a very graphic detail. And he's still got a Grammy. He's like, the, the author, Lundy Bancroft, makes the point, you know, would this, this kind of violence to any other group besides women, especially like domestic partners, be acceptable? Would you, would you award that person a Grammy? Um, so it's very societal, very widespread, and um, so just another totally different, but, you know, related to this, uh, is that, um, you know, um, my kid's dad hasn't really been around much, and uh, and I, I've tried to do as much as I can to, um, you know, and the, the, the West BSA Scout Troop has helped me so much. Um, they've been able to go camping and do all the stuff that I occasionally did with my dad. He, you know, my dad did is, is you know, a pretty good job. Um, and so I've really tried to expose my kids to um, opportunities like that. And I just wanted to thank the West BSA Scout Troop for allowing those opportunities to my kids. Hi, Shirley Storms. 
Um, I didn't really know my dad very well. I knew him a little bit. He was an alcoholic, and he was mostly gone out of my life by the time I was nine, and totally, I hardly ever saw him again after I was 11. But my brother was seven years younger than I was, so he didn't remember him at all. And after my father was gone, I, I, was, I didn't realize it until I was just listening to this, but I really tried to step in and do some of the things, even as a little kid, that I thought fathers would do. You know, I taught him to catch a ball, and I taught him to, uh, I played trucks with him, and I taught him to um, make airplane models and car models, and he, he, he now does, renovates, like takes rusty cars and turns them into shiny hot rods and stuff. He gives me full credit for starting that, but, um, but he ended up being the best father and grandfather that I know practically, and I don't know how he did that. I had four uncles, only one of them was what I thought was a good dad, particularly, and he didn't really try to father us. So, you know, we didn't really, we saw it, but we didn't get any of it. Um, but I saw a thing on Facebook the other day that, that really described my brother. It was a guy who said, yeah, my car is three years old and there's 600,000 miles on it. <laughs> and somebody said, how did that happen? He said, well, my grandkids are into sports. <laughs> <laughs> And he has two granddaughters. One of them is over six foot two, is a junior in high school and in elite basketball already. And the other one is just graduated. But over the course of COVID, he got four grandsons. So he's got to live a long time. <laughs> but anyway, I just um, made me think about, you know, what makes a father and I don't know, just reminded me of my brother so much because he's done such a good job. In the uh, spirit of sharing about our dads, um, I'm going to tell some stories about my dad, who um, was born on July 4th, and I'm rather missing him right now. So this is me coping by sharing stories. Um, I think the best advice he gave me was about when I was 12. First, you have to understand, I'm a lot like my dad. Um, he's very direct and kind of awkward, so this was very in character for him, but what he said was he always enjoyed us at all times, but he felt like we got much more interesting the older we got. And being my dad, I just sort of took that as permission to be a better, be a parent who enjoys a particular stage of life differently. Um, so. It's making me feel a whole lot better about feeling like I knew what I was doing when the kid wasn't mobile, because there was a very limited set of things you need to do for a kid who isn't mobile. They're crying, okay. Do they need their diaper changed? Do they need food? Do they need sleep? It's a whole lot different when they're five. There's so many more reasons why they're screaming at you. <laughs> um, but dad was, was great. He wanted to share his hobby of woodworking with me and didn't really know what to do with a girl for that. So we started making a dollhouse. Turns out I wasn't really interested in a dollhouse, but I really did like the woodworking. So now I have a dollhouse that my kid is using, which is nice because I finally got me to, you know, dust it off. It was been sitting in the uh, basement for a long time. But yeah, dad, um, dad, was really involved. He was the one who took me roller skating. Um, 
I think mostly to make sure the dog got a walk, but you know, we went roller skating and uh, woke me up so we could go um, stargazing because we lived out in the boonies and you actually didn't have light pollution out there. We could actually see stars. That was really neat. So I miss my dad and I wish he had gotten the chance to be a grandfather. I think he would have been a good one. So there's been some additional comments in the chat to share. Um, it's been a nice interplay. Um, CW, this was his first time participating today remotely, and I think he's intrigued and hopes to come visit us in person, which will be wonderful. Yay for that. Um, Maceo Thomas says, Jeff, my new thing is to cry when my tears flow. It's something I didn't do much as a kid or as a young man, and only as a recent middle-aged man have I discovered it. I'm crying with you. And I'm so happy that I am out of that portion of the man box now, and it feels so good to know that this healing fluids can come to me. Your vulnerability is healing me. Thank you. And I think that's, that's what it's about. Um, and... I think, you know, I think a lot of us are missing dads, whether we're missing the active things that we loved about our dads or missing the things that we wish, the fathering we wished we'd gotten and didn't, um, which just goes to show the power of fatherhood and therefore the power of all the calls to attention and action and self-development and community engagement that Mike spoke to so eloquently this morning. And we will uh, have lots more conversation to have. And I will just add in response um, to this question about, you know, Mike obviously shared so beautifully from his direct experience and the work that he has done and um, invite others to think about doing that as well. You know, there are lots of opportunities to speak from this space about things that are important to you that you think can also be important to this community. Um, it can be a platform address, it could be a workshop, it could be a, like, hey, let's get together and talk after platform some Sunday, I'm interested in this, who else wants to discuss? Um, this community is what we build of it, and the more that we share of our gifts, but also our needs, right? Hey, I don't understand this, who can help me, who wants to figure this out together? So I will just put that out into the space as an invitation um, for us to really own and build and benefit from this community together. So thank you to all who shared your thoughts and attention this morning. And just as we share our perspectives and our gifts and talents and needs with this community, so too do we share our resources and our gifts. And here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection with a, um, between our operating budget and then share also with a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. And this month, we're pleased to support the Protein Please campaign at Shepherd's Table. Now, situated in the heart of downtown Silver Spring, so not far from us here, Shepherd's Table serves individuals from all walks of life to address food insecurity and homelessness through an array of programs, which are designed to both meet immediate needs and provide sustained social support. Shepherd's Table mission is to improve quality of life, 
create a pathway towards self-sufficiency and inspire hope for the most vulnerable. And they envision a metro area where lives are transformed with nourishment, empowerment, and care. In recent months, much like all of us, but acutely so for Shepherd's Table, their food costs have spiked by more than 90%. And proteins help their clients stay full longer, but account for 30 to 50% of Shepherd's Table's food budget, forcing some really tough decisions when they are placing orders. So they need some help with protein, please. So let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we are able. And you can donate online through the Simple Give system through a couple of ways. You can text an amount to 202-335-1885, go to tiny.cc slash westgives, or click on give on our website, ethicalsociety.org. To donate in person today, you can just put cash or a check in the basket on the back of the hall on your way out. You can always send a check to the office by mail. Thank you all for your generosity, and we will now receive your gifts and the gift of music. Yeah, what's this place? This is a sound stage. Can you go down there? Yeah, this is a very sensitive subject. Doctor placed you in my arms. I knew I'd meet death before I let you meet harm. Although questions arose in my mind, would I be man enough against wrong? Choose right and be standing up. From the hospital that first night, took an hour just to get the car seat in right. People driving off fast got me kind of upset. Got you home safe, placed you in your bassinet. That night, I don't think one wink I slept. As I slipped out my bed to your crib, I crept, touched your head gently. Felt my heart melt, cause I knew I loved you more than life itself. Into my and I beg the Lord, please let me be a good daddy. All he needs love, knowledge, discipline, too. I pledge my life to you. So. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Uh, just me and you. Just me and you. I think, man, a little me, just like me. Wait and see, gonna be tall. Makes me laugh, cause you got your dad's ears and all. Sometimes I wonder, what you gonna be? A general, a doctor, maybe an MC. I wanna kiss you all the time. But I will test that butt when you cut out a line. True that, uh-uh-uh, why you do that? I try to be a tough dad, but you be making me laugh. Crazy joy, when I see the eyes of my baby boy. I pledge to you, I will always do everything I can. Show you how to be a man. Dignity, integrity, honor, and I don't mind if you lose long as you came with it and you can cry, ain't no shame in it. It didn't work out with me and your mom, but yo, push come to shove, you was conceived in love. So if the world attacks and you slide off track, remember one fact, I got your back. Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. Uh, 
Time job to be a good dad. You got so much more stuff than I had. I gotta study just to keep with the changing times. 101 Dalmatians on your CD ROM. See me, I'm trying to pretend I know on my PC where that CD go. But yo, ain't nothing promised. One day I'll be gone. Feel the strike, but trust life does go on. But just in case, it's my place to impart. One day some girl's gonna break your heart. And who ain't no pain like from the opposite sex? Gonna hurt bad, but don't take it out on the next. Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do, because hate in your heart will consume you too. Always tell the truth, say your prayers, hold doors, pull out chairs, easy on the swears. You live and prove that dreams come true. I love you and I'm here for you. Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. Just me and you, just me and you. True that, true that. Just the two of us. Woo! Yeah. Huh. Just the two of us. <laughs> Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Woo! For the rest of your life. That's a really good song. I should not get paid for this, Dad. Well, it's very nice to see that side of Will Smith, despite his very public collapse into some toxic masculinity about a year or so ago. Let's hang on to that version. And uh, both to Shayla's point, and thanks to Mike for selecting our songs this morning, it really exalts that positive relationship, vulnerability, honoring, honoring connection. So thanks, Mike, for that wisdom and bringing these songs to us today. Um, I also want to say thanks to all the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Our staff members, Casey Slack, and Dara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Taman Barani, and Nisio Thomas. And our platform production team, which includes tech team members, slide artists, Zoom trasher, in-person readers, all of whose names you'll see on the closing credits slide later, and you could see your name there too. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hour, either here um, on the, in the lobby and or via Zoom. But I want to mention a few things that are coming up in the life of our community. Next Sunday, KC will be back to the platform, and we'll also have a special ceremony to induct the new Board of Trustees. So definitely let's all be present and participating to support that good work as well. So... Are you, Are you a cook, a baker, a gift basket maker? Do you like parties, themes, and helping Wes reach its financial dreams? Auction needs help from now to November. So let's make it an event Wes will remember. Contact Emily Newman for planning, donating, and day of volunteering. I want to spotlight the email that was sent on June 5th that listed the teams that urgently need volunteers to help West be the vibrant, flourishing community we want it to be. 
Specifically, we're looking for people to join the stewardship and finance teams, the communication team, the team, as Mike referenced, to reimagine West's programs for children and youth, the greeters and welcome team, the tech team, and the music team. And you don't have to sing or play an instrument to be part of the music team. You can suggest great music, help connect us to musicians, etc. You can find that list of teams with sign-up links on the website at ethicalsociety.org connection. Finally, the American Ethical Union's annual assembly is coming up soon, and the delegates from West want to know your opinions about the various, and it seems ever-increasing number, of proposals for the future of the AEU. And it really will make a big difference for our delegates to have heard what our interests and concerns and will are, because to some degree, they will have to make decisions on this in the spot. And so knowing what we want and what we hope for and are willing to work toward is crucial to them making um, wise decisions on our behalf. So please plan to join a Zoom town hall for West members to discuss these motions, which will be held this Friday, June 14th, excuse me, July 14th from 7 to 9 p.m. And there's a link in the West News and notes and etc. So please tune in for that and participate. That's it for our announcements today. As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the weekly news and notes email or on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org. Thank you all for being part of Platform today, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. And I now invite you to join in singing our closing song, Now Let Us Sing. Before we sing our closing song, I want to thank you, Wes, for the opportunity to serve and for the opportunity to grow closer to this community in many ways, despite the geographical distance between us. Thank you, and I wish you the very best on your journey forward. I expect we'll see each other sometime sooner than later. Now, let us sing.
A last few reminders before we leave. If you are new to our community, please introduce yourself in person or via the connection form at tiny.cc slash westconnects or an email to membership at ethicalsociety.org. For those who wish to socialize online, to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. And now I invite you to join in me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment to a world where love and justice cross all borders. Again, thank you all for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.